I'm glad it's in the Savior's hand, too. Amen? Amen. I tell you, God is so good. Uh, he's, he's been so good to Sheila and myself that uh, sometimes I just, uh, I just marvel at how good he really is. And uh, this year, this past year, 2020, was not on a pandemic, but it was a, a setback time somewhat for us. It was the greatest time to have the problem. I told Pastor today at lunch, it's the greatest time to have a problem because the church wasn't functioning like it normally does. And so we went through a few hardships here and there, and I had open-heart surgery, uh, not just open-heart surgery, but they had to actually cut part of the heart away, so I'm half, half-hearted now. I can't love like I used to, but uh, that, actually they did cut half the heart away. It had expanded. It had, it had twisted, and uh, a part that I hurt back in Fort when I had a massive heart attack had twisted, and it began to inflate, and they had to go in and cut that off and patch it over and tighten up a mitral valve and 
and ablate the heart and put in a new lead and, and uh, several other things. So <clears throat> it, <clears throat> it was, a, it was a, a, a trying time, but boy, what a great God we have. And I just think as those ladies were, were playing, I was thinking about it's in the Father's hand and how great that is. What a merciful God we have. Yeah, yeah. He's so merciful. And uh, sometimes you, feel, you ever felt sorry for yourself? I have. You ever felt sorry for yourself? Brother Wetzel, I can see why. I look in the mirror. And I feel sorry for your wives, what I feel sorry for, and your family. But that's neither here nor there. I can't do a thing about that right now. Brother Harris, don't even get me started. You know that you felt sorry I felt sorry for your wife and children, too. I feel sorry for the people who work with you. They have to look at that. No wonder you grew that beard so long. Cover some of it up. Anyway, well, bless his heart. This morning, I was looking for Brother Harris after, after church, and, and uh, I was going to say hi to him and so forth. He's gone. He's out. He said he's out back smoking or something. I don't know. He had to run out real quick and, get, uh, uh, and uh, satisfy his nicotine, uh, get his nicotine uh, fill there. Or something like, I don't know, something about, and then some excuse tonight about he was taking food to somebody. Yeah, that's what they all say. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just teasing you. So I, brother, I mean this, Brother Harris, of all the people I've ever met in the world, all of them, you're one of them, all right? <laughs> and I mean that. <laughs> oh, boy, it's good to be in church. Somebody says, well, you shouldn't cut up and have fun. Okay, then don't cut up and have fun. Don't let, don't, we won't stop you from being that way. Just don't stop us from being the other way. Because I tell you, when you spend as much time at church as I do, if you don't have fun at church, you never have any fun. I don't go to the bars. I guess that's supposed to be fun. I don't go. I don't know. Uh, Brother Harris, talk to me. And uh, <laughs> is it fun, like they say? Uh, but anyway, no, seriously, I got to quit cutting up like that. But seriously, I don't have fun like that. I don't go to all the worldly activities that are supposedly supposed to be fun. I go to church. Amen. I try to win souls. I try to love Jesus. I try to do right. Spend time with my family. Uh, those are the fun things to me. And, and of course, both Dave, my fun's changing. The things that used to be fun, it's not as fun as the other things now. You know what I'm saying? Used to, people would say, isn't the sunset lovely? And I'd say, it's just going down. That's all I know. Now it looks good. Is it our old age? Is that what it is? You know, I'm trying to be like you too. Look here. I'm going to be just like you before long. But anyway, now I've got th three people I've offended I'll need a bodyguard when I leave here. Not much of a body to guard, though, is the only problem. All right, but anyway. Hey, if you have your Bible, turn back to 1 John again. I'm going to preach what I preached this morning. You weren't listening then. You know, I heard this, seriously. There was a guy, uh, the, um, Dale Moody was preaching, and he's preaching his service, a revival, and he preached the first night on John 3.16. He preached the second night on John 3.16. I think it was Dale Moody. If it's not, it is now. And the third night, he preached on John 3, 16. Somebody came to him and said, Brother Moody, aren't you going to preach on anything else? He said, when you start obeying that, I'll preach on something else. <laughs> right? Not a bad thought, is it, Pastor? We just keep preaching the same thing until people obey it. Might need to keep preaching until we obey it, Brother Dave. That might be where it starts at. But John, I, this morning I talked about, I began talking about our fellowship with the Lord and the importance of it. I, I wish we could just get a grasp on the importance of having fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, our time of fellowship with Him. I'm telling you, if you'll learn to truly have fellowship with the Father, it will change your life forever. Just to have that closeness, just to know Him, just to be with Him, just to have His presence and to feel His presence in your life and to know that He's real to you. You know, I... I said it this morning in the classroom, and there was a question-answer session there. And 
you know what? We need authentic Christianity. We need the real deal. I'm so tired of the fake stuff. I'm so tired of the stuff that they say, well, this is real Christianity, and it doesn't change them. It's sort of like the church I saw when I was in Fort Wayne. There was a church van, and on the side it says, Come as you are, Baptist church. That was the name of it, Come as you are, Baptist church. The only problem is they came as they were and left as they were. I'm not going to come in. You come as you are, but leave differently. You ought to come here to get changed, to go out and do something. But what we do is we, we put in our time, and it's not real. And we don't have real Christianity because we don't have a real fellowship with the Savior. There's not a real fellowship with the Father. We don't really walk with God. We talk about how that Enoch walked with God and was not. But we don't have a clue what it means to walk with God. Okay, well, how do I walk with him? We're totally in the dark. And this whole, the first part of the book, the two reasons why 1 John was written was, first of all, to have fellowship with the Father and to, know, and, and to show you you know for sure you're saved. By the way, 1 John wasn't written to people who are lost to, uh, to convince them they're lost. It's people who are saved to convince them they were saved. Do you know that there's three types of people that, that are sitting in this room probably? If not, when you go to work tomorrow, there will be saved, unsaved, and those who don't know if they're saved or not. Wouldn't it be, you know, you know, the worst part of it all is the people who don't know for sure they're saved. They, uh, they think they are, but they're not sure they are. Well, if I work my way there, if I do enough of this, I do enough of that, or if I live right, or if I don't fall into sin, are the ones who are truly saved but doubt it. I dare say a crowd this size, there's people in this room that doubt whether they're really saved. If you ask them point blank, now, oh, I know I'm saved. That comes from their lips, but in their heart it's, well, I hope so anyway. I think I am. I, I thought I did what it took. And the devil's making havoc of your relationship with the Father and your fellowship, which means you have no joy. And we're living in a day when, brother, there's, nothing, there's not a lot out there to make you joyful. Now, if you've been following everything, there's not. Not if you really believe the Bible, there's not. Except Jesus is coming again. Coming again. Coming again, maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and maybe soon. Coming again. I look at all the events that's happened in the world today, and I have one thing to say. Jesus is coming soon. And that excites me. I just feel bad for all those who are going to miss out on it because they don't trust Christ as their Savior. Those who are going to die and go to hell without Christ. What a sad thing that is. And those who right now are not even enjoying what they have. And it's one thing to have a big old strawberry cake, you know, with the strawberries uh, on top and maybe uh, a, a, a little whipped cream on top. Get it out of the freezer section. That's the inside joke. And uh, you put some big old chunks of strawberries on top and strawberries in there and look at it and say, I really love, I love strawberry shortcake or I love this strawberry cake. I love it. Man, it is great. Thing, greatest thing in the world. Best thing since sliced bread. Man, I love it but you never eat it. It wasn't made to look at. It was made to eat. The joy comes from eating it, not from looking at it. So you got a pretty, pretty cake. Okay. If you don't mind, I'd like to have some of it. I'd like the joy knowing what it tastes like. The joy of just taking it and just putting it in and just letting it savor in there. And eat that cake. And, ooh, the, and the strawberries just bursting with flavor. Mm, isn't that good? Fresh strawberries. Like they make 
over in Hartsville. Those strawberry, those big strawberries, you know, over there. Ooh, yeah, strawberry pie they make over there. Now, that'll make you want to slap your granny, and I don't even have a granny. Man, I just slap myself. Oh, Grandpa. Man, that's good stuff. Man, it is good, too. I'm telling you, it is good. I think it's time to go eat. Amen? <laughs> Doesn't do any good. Last time I was here, Brad bought me one. Wherever Brad's Oh, there he is. Brad bought me one. You, you remember that, Brad? It's the only thing you've ever bought me in my whole life, right? <laughs> After all I've done for you. No, I'm teasing. Brad bought me one. And, uh, and I ate that, and I was going to save it till I got home. It never made it home. It made it to my belly. Man, it was good. So I could have taken that big strawberry pie that he bought me, and I could have looked at it and said, man, that sure looks good. That, is, that looks delicious. Wow. And never touch it. What good would it have done? Got home, threw it away because it was spoiled. It was made to enjoy. And, and Jesus said, my time with you, my fellowship with you is made to enjoy. That's why he said, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Not just joy, but full joy. Over in John, he talks about that your joy might be full. And I said this morning, if we're going to do that, then we've got to realize that he talks about the sin that needs to be removed from our life. We can cover it or we can confess it. But the third one I didn't mention and I want to finish tonight is this. Look at verse number 7 of 1 John chapter 1. But if we walk in light, as he is in light, we have fellowship with, the, with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us, cleanses us from all sin. Father, I pray you take the thoughts tonight and use them to bring honor and glory to your name. Father, please, 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 I beg you, I beg you. I want to help this church. I don't want to just come and waste their time. Pastors put confidence in me by asking me to come, and I realize that, and I don't take that lightly. And these people have come, and they want to hear from you. They want to know what you have to say. What I say is irrelevant. What I say don't matter anyway. It doesn't matter. But what you say changes lives. God's Word changes lives. Would you fill me? Would you use me? Would you allow me to teach what you've given me and what the Word of God says that will bring honor and glory to your name? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The third way, not just do we deal with our sin, is not just cover our sin. We can cover it. Or we can confess it. But the third thing I want you to see is this. We can conquer our sin. And that's where most people mess up. They never learn how to conquer their sin. How to get victory over their sin. They confess it, but they struggle with going back to it over and over and over again. They want victory over it, Pastor. They want to have victory. They really do. They're sincere. I want to have victory over my sin. I don't want to ever do that again. I want to figure out how to conquer it. I want to figure out how to have victory so I don't go back and just keep doing the same sin over and over and over and over again. And I know that God will forgive us. I know He will. But He wants us to have victory so we can have that joy. And it's not going to happen until we learn how to conquer our sin. Not just confess it but, and forsake it, but to conquer it so we get away from it so it doesn't happen. Now notice what he said in verse number 7. But if we walk in the... What's the next word? Light. You ever notice that light is used to expose? For example, if we turn the lights off in this room, it would be pitch dark in here. Turn the light on and we can see. 
What we need to do in our life is learn how to turn the light on when we're dealing with our sin. It's just like I've used this illustration here probably 10 times or more in other places. But if I'm trying to figure out if I worn a white shirt one time for just a few minutes and took it off and thought, man, I'll iron that and I, I don't want to have to wash it and iron it again and so forth. And I said, let me, let me look and make sure the collar's clean. And you always, we, we, you men know what I'm talking about. You go and you put it on the light and see if it's dirty. If it's dirty, you throw it in the dirty clothes and you wash it. But what exposes whether or not it's clean or dirty? The light. You don't go into the closet, turn the light off, go in the closet, shut the door in the pitch dark and say, now, let's see if his shirt's clean or dirty. That wouldn't make any sense, would it? But you turn the light on. The light illuminates. The light shows it whether or not it's clean or dirty. And what we have to do if we're going to conquer our sin is we've got to come to the light and allow the light to illuminate, allow the light to show us what's there. If we walk in light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ is un- cleanses us from all sin. What we have to do is come to the light. And what the light does is the light makes it sensitive. We can see. And what we need to do if we're going to conquer our sin, we have to become sensitive to the sin. And most people aren't sensitive to their sin. That's why they can just lie and it doesn't bother them. It's amazing to me how many Christians can lie. And just, it don't, don't bother. Well, I mean, hey, I mean, it's life. No, it's not life. It's lying. And what we do is we never become sensitive to what's in our life and what's happening in our life. And the reason we don't have revival is we're not sensitive to the sin that's in our life and whether or not we're committing sin. So how do we become sensitive to the sin? Let me give you three ways. Number one, the Savior. You've got to come to Jesus. John 8, 10, 8, 12 says this. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of, the, of life. By the way, when he talks about darkness versus light, he's talking about the sin versus righteousness. He's talking about eternal damnation versus eternal home in heaven. Light always represents the good in, Mo, in the Bible. The darkness, you don't want to walk in darkness. That's talking about walking in the world, walking in sin. And the light illuminates and causes us not to walk in darkness. And when we, we have to come to Jesus. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. So what I have to do if I'm going to become sensitive to my sin, to conquer my sin, I've got to come to the light. What's the first light I need to come to? The light of Jesus. I need to come to him. Now, this is important for you to understand. It's important for me to understand. I cannot compare myself to others. I have to constantly compare myself to Jesus. For you dare, we dare not make ourselves of the number or, or compare ourselves with some that can commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Others should not be your standard. Jesus should be your standard. I get so, people say, well, I know so-and-so and they did so-and-so, but they're not your standard. Jesus is the standard. Well, I know that so-and-so, they talk like that, so it's okay for me to talk like that. No, 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 no. you got the wrong standard. Jesus is your standard. What would he have said? 
You know, the wearing little bracelet, what would Jesus do? I, I think most of the people, not nothing against you if you have one on. Anybody in here got one on before I say this? Yeah, there's one. God bless you. All right? So, excluding you, all right? <laughs> a lot of people I've seen that wear those don't care what Jesus would do. I know their lifestyle. What would Jesus do? I'll tell you what he would do. He'd quit, he quit acting like you act. What would Jesus do? He'd quit dressing like you dress. What would Jesus do? He'd quit saying what you say. Amen. But, they, but that thing on it, that makes them feel closer to God. I'm for wearing it, by the way. I'm just for obeying what it says on it. So what we do is we compare ourselves among ourselves, which is not wise. And so we say, well, so-and-so does it. Here that day, we, stopped, we pretty much stopped wearing a mask in Louisville. I noticed all of y'all have too, by the way. And uh, somebody said to me, <laughs> he said, well, one of the secretaries, I was wearing them, but I looked up and Brother Moon wasn't wearing his. Oops. Pastor wasn't wearing his. Oops, oops. And so I figured there's no sense for me to wear mine. Huh? And that's what people do. But when it comes to right and wrong and sin, you better not be looking at what so-and-so did. You better be looking at what God said. And so what we do is we don't ever conquer our sin. We never have victory over our sin because we're too busy comparing ourselves among ourselves saying, well, Brother Dave does that and he's a preacher, so I guess it's okay if I do it. That's a dumb thing to say, isn't it, Brother Dave? I'm not talking about being because it's you. I'm talking about comparing myself with someone else. Amen? Amen, good, all right. Now I've got him on the same page. He's still mad at me because of what I said a while ago. He may shoot me at the end of the service. I don't know if he's packing the heat or not. I hope not. But anyway, I'm telling you, we do too much comparing. Constantly compare yourself to Jesus. Number two, constantly come to Jesus for help. You know what's wrong with most people? They say, I want to conquer my sin, and they never talk to Jesus about it. I got saved on November 10, 1974, back when Noah came over, all right? I got saved back then. Next day, I went to work. I had, in my lifetime, developed a habit of using bad language that I should never use. I knew better because I was raised in a Christian home. But I developed a habit of using bad language. I went to work. I was working in the parts bin at Woody Anderson Ford, our parts department at Woody Anderson Ford in Huntsville, Alabama, walking down through the parts bin and uh, fixing to pull apart. And uh, they had these little roller things that you uh, uh, step things, and they, they had springs on the legs. They'd pop up like that, and you put weight on them, and the, the legs hit the floor, and they couldn't roll anywhere. And I stepped up on it. I was fixing to step up on it, and I'm looking in the parts bin and looking at the numbers, and I stomped my foot on it. And the next thing out of my mouth was not what any Christian should ever say. And I thought, wow, what did I just say? Now, remember, I just got saved yesterday. And I thought, man, Christians don't talk like that. And I said, am I even really saved? And I went back to the parts, to the, to the motor bin. We had a motor bin, boxes and motors. Up oh, motor, boxes and motors. Motors and boxes. And I crawled on top of the boxes back there and said, dear God, that's wrong. Am I even really saved talking like that? God, you got to help me. Please forgive me. Please take away from me the desire to use that kind of language. That's not what Christians ought to use. Please, God, I need you. Please help me. I didn't say, I know Christians that do that. 
By the way, I knew Christians that did that. I said, I need help, God. Please, please. You know what I was doing? I was coming to the light. See, when you come to Jesus, he helps. I may not be able to help you, but Jesus always helps. Seeing then that we have a high, great high priest that is passing the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the filling of our infirmities, but was at all temp- points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, I didn't know that day what I was doing, but I was doing what this verse says to do. You come to Jesus. You come to Jesus. He's the light. He will expose the sin and help you get victory over your sin. He'll help you say, whoa, 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 whoa. I shouldn't do that. That's wrong. By the way, I've heard a lot of Christians use that language that I asked God to forgive me of, and I'd just gotten saved, and they'd been saved for years. When I quit smoking, when I first got saved, I'd go outside between Sunday school and church and smoke with the deacons. God, I'm telling you, Sheila, am I telling the truth? I'd go out there and smoke with them. Brother Dave, God got a hold of my heart. A lost man looked at me and said, Ricky, do you know that hurts your temple and you're the temple of God, of the Holy Ghost? And I said, well, yeah. Yes, I really didn't know. He knew more than I did. And he said, so don't talk to us about getting saved while you're smoking. And the lights went off. This is wrong. But the deacons smoked with me. And I know a preacher that preached in that area. Baptist preacher, and he smoked. Now, if I went back to comparing myself with others, I would have continued to smoke. But I wouldn't compare myself with others. I was comparing myself with Jesus. And when I saw what he said, I said, I got to have help. So I came to the one who was the helper, and I said, dear God, they say I shouldn't smoke. I didn't know any verses or principles on smoking. I just knew that it was a bad testimony and that I shouldn't do it and I need to take care of it. And I said, God, I need help. Please help me. I need victory over this. Help me. Help me. I need your help. You want to conquer your sin? Come to Jesus. Come to the light and you'll become sensitive to those sins. And God will start exposing them. The Holy Spirit will start exposing them in your life and it'll change your life. Come to Jesus. The second way was not only coming to Jesus, but I became sensitive when I hang around the right crowd, the saved Christians, saved people. Now, let me make a statement. Not all Christians live like Christians. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it on their bushel but on a candlestick. And he giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Christians 
are the children of light, according to Luke 16, 8, John 12, 36, Ephesians 5, 8, 1 Corinthians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, 5. Here's the problem. Some of them are 25-watt bulbs. Others are spotlights. The 25 waters won't expose much problem in your life. But the spotlighters will. You really want to have help with your sin and conquer it? Hang around the crowd that will expose your sin and tell you about it. You, you hook yourself up and be accountable to somebody who really loves God, who loves the Bible, and really wants to walk with Jesus, and it'll change your life. What we do is find somebody that's doing less than we are or about the same, and we make ourselves accountable to them, and they go, well, you know, we all do make mistakes, so let's just don't worry about it. 25 water. I don't, I, I don't like dim rooms. I really don't. Either turn the lights on or turn them off and let's go to sleep. But not the dim rooms. I just, I'm not, I'm not into it. I, I, you know, I know the fancy restaurants you go into and some of them have the dim lights and stuff. I think that's so you can't see what you're eating. I don't know what it is, right? This is fancy. You can't see a thing in there. I don't know. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know. I can't see. They got the lights turned down too low. Turn the lights up and let me look and I'll tell you. Because the sun's coming up in the morning. Amen. I want the sun, amen? If I want to know what's going on, go out and get in the sun. What we need to do is associate with godly Christians. Some of you need to maybe change your friendships. Do you really want to conquer your sin? What you doing? You're never going to have a revival as long as you wallow in your sin and keep living in it. And as long as you keep hanging around the people who will, who will facilitate you to do that, you'll never get where you ought to be. What we want is people who will listen to us. That's why gossips go to gossips to gossip. Critics go to critics to criticize. Oh, did you know what I found out? I'll tell you what I found out. Nothing. I don't need to know. I'm on a need-to-know basis, and I don't need to know. We're too busy criticizing everybody else. And that's the problem. The church is full of critics. Well... I just don't think the pastor should do that. Well, then, if you, are you the pastor? No. Well, then don't do that. But you're not the pastor, so it's okay for him to do it. So that's kind of dumb. No, it's reality. Well, I don't think they ought to do this. Well, did someone ask you for your input? They don't even ask me, so I don't give it. You'd be surprised. I know church... That the pastor and them changed the color of the carpet in the auditorium. Was it the carpet, Sheila? The walls. Painted the walls a different color. And Faye was about to split the church over it. I don't even give a rip what color the, the walls are. As long as they're respectful and look nice. I don't care. Well, what about the color of the carpet? I don't care about that either. I really don't. The carpet never won one soul. The color on the wall never won one soul. It's the people in the pew that loved God and went out and tried to reach people that won the lost. You ought to be more worried about how you look than how the church looks. I think the church should look sharp, and this one does. I think the church ought to be clean. I think we want to make it as clean as we can, as sharp as we can. I think everything ought to be done first class. And, and I mean, I believe that. I believe it with all my heart.
But we can carry that to extremes too. Where the church building become more important than a, than a bus kit. And I've heard that. They tear up the buildings. So do your kids. So did my kids. How you know? I had to pay to fix it. <laughs> I'm telling you. We're so wrapped up in the wrong thing. So a critic gets with a critic so they can all be critics. The gossip gets with the gossip so they can all... Have you heard the latest juiciest? One time a lady was telling me, I said, look, ma'am, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be gossiping, telling stuff. She said, well, it's not gossip. I said, why? She said, well, it's true. That means it's not gossip. What? That has nothing in the world to do with it, ma'am. Gossip is you telling somebody something they don't need to know. If they're not a part of the problem and solution, what do they need to know for? Do you realize that your pastor cares things that nobody else knows? If he unloaded, he could do a lot of damage over the years. This many years at one place, he's had a lot of counseling sessions and talked to a lot of people and knows a lot of things about a lot of people. You got to learn to keep your mouth shut, don't you, pastor? You can't because, boy, you tell one person and you... It'll be on Facebook tomorrow. No, it won't be on Facebook. It'll be on Facebook while church is still going on. <laughs> By the way, I don't have Facebook. I'm not against it. I just don't have it. I, I personally don't have it. Um, I've thought about it a few times, and I don't know. Uh, I'm going to tell you one reason why, Pastor, I don't have Facebook. I don't want to know what's going on around me like that. I don't want to know around what's going on with all the people. I, I really don't. I don't know if y'all understand it, but when y'all put stuff on Facebook, everybody sees it. You see people in positions and places that they shouldn't be, doing things they shouldn't do, and, they're, 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 and everybody's taking a picture of it and putting it on Facebook. One day, some of my family's going to put it on. I said, please don't put me on Facebook. I, I just prefer not to. I mean, I went down. Sheila was speaking at a ladies' meeting. Uh, um, it wasn't really a mother's daughter. It was a, just a ladies' spring thing a couple of weeks ago in, in, up in Roanoke, Indiana over in Roanoke, Indian. And, uh, and we, uh, I went with her, and one of the guys, I was a youth pastor for 16 years, one of the guys was a teenager then, the guy's in his 40s now, he, uh, he came over just to see me and spend time with me. And we talked together, and he, they took a picture of me and him together. I might say it was a good picture. I really made him look good. Or was it the other way around, he made me look good? I can't remember, but anyway. And then his dad, I went and saw his dad. His dad's had really had some physical, almost died. And I went and saw his dad for just a few minutes on Saturday morning. And they took a picture of me and his dad. And they, faced, they, they posted both pictures on Facebook. And my son says, hey, Dad, I see you were with Dwayne and with Galen. And I said, yeah. He said, and it said, Dwayne, it said on it, Dwayne Brown said, two of my, two of my heroes. And he put me and him and me and his dad. And I thought, yeah, my son had nothing to do with it, but he knew it because he's on Facebook. And if you're a friend of a friend of a friend, you may get to be able to see what happened on Facebook. I'm not against Facebook. I'm not against it. I just don't want it because I don't want to know all the stuff because it messes with my mind. You got a better mind than I do. I get it. But this mind needs to stay pure and clean. And this mind doesn't need to know all the trash on everybody. I didn't want to know all the trash on my family. And my friends. 
I can work with them better and love them more and be a better friend to them and a better parent or a better son, not a son, but a better uh, grandpa or better this or better that if I don't even know all the trash. I really can. I just don't want to know it. I just don't want to know it. I want to know the good stuff. You know, Brother Dave, there's a lot of good stuff about people. And they put one bad thing on Facebook and everybody in the world, that's all they ever remember. They don't remember all the good stuff. I don't remember the good stuff. If we walk in light, what light? The light of Jesus Christ, the Savior. The light of the saved, the Christian, who's a spotlight. You need to go find your way to the right kind of Christian. Number three, third way to be sensitive is the old book. Psalm 119, verse 105. A lot of you know it, but you got it memorized. That word is a lamp unto my feet and a Light of my path, it's a light. The inches of thy word giveth light, it giveth understanding the simple. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharp and any two-edged sword, piercing and dividing a son of soul and spirit. And of the joints and myron is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I'm not going to be sensitive to my sin and conquer it until I learn to stay in the book. You can try to get away from it, but it don't work that way. Our problem is the book has become a secondary book, not the primary book. We'll spend hours reading books about everything in the world and no time reading about Jesus. Look, what's the first thing you read when you get up in the morning? You know what a lot of guys do, Brother Josh? They read the sports section. They grab their phones, go to the ESPN app, and go to the sports and see who won last night and who did that. I made a determination that I wouldn't do that. First thing I try to do is get up. Is The first thing I do is I pray and read my Bible. The first thing. Because if I don't, the day will get away from me before I take care of what I should do. And the first thing, because I want, I want to have the light to start the day. And when I talk to the Father and talk to Jesus, and then I spend time in his book, I'm going to be more sensitive to what's going on around me. And I'm going to come near conquering my sin that I'm dealing with. Some people never conquer their sin. They deal with it. They struggle with it. They want to have victory. I'm going to be quite frank with you. I don't understand why a lot of these addicts can't get rid of their addictions. I realize the body craves it. But I know a young lady that was smoking, had open heart surgery, quit smoking, didn't smoke for a long time, and then started back again, and then, and then was, uh, had a stroke. And they made her, she quit smoking for weeks while she had a stroke. By that time, the nicotine's out of her body anyway. And then when she got well enough, she started smoking again. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I, I'm sorry, I don't get it. I went to God and begged him to take the desire for cigarettes away from me. And that's how I quit. I knew that it was wrong, and I knew that I was a bad testimony, and I went to the Father and began to pray. And then I began to see what God said in his word about my, me being a, filled with his spirit and whether or not I was filled. And I wanted to be filled with his spirit, and I didn't want anything in it. And I didn't want anything. It stopped me from having his power and his blessing on my life, and that was going to stop me from having any power, any blessing. I was a bad testimony. Besides that, I didn't smell too good. And I begged God for victory, and as I began to take the Word of God and quote it and memorize it and study it, I realized I could have victory over these sins. One of the problems we have, does not the Bible say, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee? Had I become sensitive to my sin, 
When I get in God's Word and give time to it, memorize it, study it, meditate on it, and apply it to my life. It's like having that. Go over to Hartsful to the Hartsful uh, Cafe or Kitchen and uh, going over there to the part that sells the pies and buy me a whole pie and look at it and never eat it. I have the very Word of God right here. Why don't I eat it? Why don't I meditate in it? Why don't I study it? Why don't I memorize it? If you're not applying this book, if you're not putting this Word of God in your mind, your mind's not going to be filled with the right stuff. I'm going to say it. You can get tired of hearing me say it. Okay, whatever. What your eyes see and what your ears hear determine what you think. What you think determines how you feel. How you feel determines what you do. My eyes, my ears determine what I think in my mind. What I think determines my heart, what I love. What I love is what comes out of this mouth. Out of the heart proceeds the issues of life. Out of the heart. What's the heart determined by? What I think. What I think determined by? What I see and what I hear. That's why the Bible talks about mine eye affected me. Mine eye. And if I'm filling my mind with the Word of God, I'm going to come near having a godly mind. If I'm filling my mind with the Word of God, I'm going to be sensitive to sin. And I'll learn how to conquer my sin. A lot of us go around for years hanging on to the sins and trying our best to conquer them. You say... You preach this morning about covering them. I, I, I'm not covering it. I just can't get victory over it. Yes, you can. I mean, I, you don't understand, Brother Moon. You don't understand. You don't know what I go through. No, I don't know what you go through, but I don't know what the Bible says. And you can have victory. 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 It's that we do not want victory enough to come to the Jesus. We don't want victory enough to hang around the right crowd. That will expose our sin. We don't want victory enough to come to the Word of God and apply it and, and, and fill our mind with it. How do you think we let this mind mean it was also in Christ Jesus? Well, if you're going to have the mind of Christ, you've got to have His Word in your mind. Casting down imaginations and everything exalted after against the knowledge of Christ and bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. How do I do that? When I become sensitive to my sin by getting in his book, by getting around the crowd that really will help me, by getting close to Jesus. The answer is always come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Whether it's the living word, which is him, or the written word, which is him. So here I am. I come and I got a choice. Do I conquer my sin? Yeah, well, I, I can best it, Brother Moon. Okay, then conquer it. So, one way to deal with your sin, one of three ways. Number one, cover it. We talked about that this morning. Too many Christians do that. Number two, confess it. And that don't mean just admit it. You just admit it and to see it like God sees it and to hate it like He does. 
then to confess it and forsake it. Number three, conquer your sin. And you conquer it by becoming sensitive to the sin. And you're not going to become sensitive until you get in the light. That's why I said, let me read again. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You want to have victory? Come to Jesus. You want to have victory? Hang around the right crowd. You want to have victory? Get in the book. You know what? I know what some people say. I understand. All you ever do is talk about the Bible this, and the Bible that, and the Bible this, and the Bible that. Okay, there's a reason. Amen. You know why? Because it should be the Bible this, and the Bible that, and the Bible this, and the Bible that. If it is our final authority on, life, on how we live and what we practice and what we believe, then we ought to get in it. Amen. Look, there's folks sitting all over this room. And if we had a, and I, I imagine your constitution have that in it, that the Word of God's your final authority. All right? And if we said, we're going to change the constitution and take it out, you go, what? You're not taking that out, Pastor. Don't take it. That Bible, don't you? Well, bless God, I won't go to a church that doesn't have the King James Bible. Well, where's your Bible at? Oh, well, I don't have it with me right now. I won't go to a church that doesn't have, that's not a soul winning church. Okay, brother, are you a soul winner? Well, I mean, you know, I, well, I, uh, wait a minute. Why wouldn't you go to a church that's not soul winning if you're not a soul winner? Hello? Answer the phone if it's ringing. Why would we say that? I'll tell you what we need to do. I don't want to go to church that's not a soul winning church. Because I want to be challenged to be a soul winner. I want to go, well, I'll tell you, Brother Frost, he's great, man. That guy's a soul winner. I mean, you go down, he'll go down. I've been with him a bunch of times so far. And he, we go down the road and he'll stop and say, hey, there's a guy walking down the road. Stop. He gets out and he starts talking to him right on the side of the road. So you know what I do? I get out and there's one over there. I start talking to him on the other side of the road. You know why? Because I'm hanging around the light that's a spotlight, not a 25 water. And when I see him doing it, I say, buddy, I'm not going to commit the sin of not being a soul winner after Jesus told me to be one. And so you know what he's doing? He's challenging me by his life and by his light that he's shining and I'm seeing it and it's causing me to glorify God and it, the light is illuminating and I'm telling, hey, I'm going to be a soul winner because he's one. I'm not going to quit soul winning because God commanded me to do it. Then I go to the Bible and I read and it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you shall be witnesses of me. And on and on I could go and I say, Well, the Bible says I'm supposed to witness to people and get them saved and try to my best. But then that crowd that's 25 waters, they go, <clears throat> Hey, most people really got saved. And I go over here this inside and say, <clears throat> I don't know. And they say, well, how come you don't know? And I say, because I'm not God. And they say, well, how do you know they got saved? And I say, because they did what I did. And I know I got saved. You know what the critics do? The critics criticize us because they think we're not telling people right and a lot of those people aren't really getting saved. Okay, then, come and show us how to do it. Amen. I'm here. Come and show me. 
I mean, that's all. You're the expert on it. You're the one that knows who's eating saved and who's not. I don't know. I do know this. I know that I'm telling them what they told me and I did it and I got saved. And I'm telling them what the Word of God says you got to do to get saved. Now, whether they get saved or not, I don't know. But I know this. They were told what I was told and they got saved. Not that that bothers me that they're critics like that. No, that's a lie. It does bother me. You haven't witnessed to one person last year and you're trying to tell somebody that those that they're witness to aren't really getting saved. God help your pitiful soul. You let them die and go to hell. At least I'm trying something. Say, so, well, maybe they didn't get saved. No, but they heard. Go you therefore and preach the gospel. Tell them. That's what I'm doing. They says, well, did they come to church? Not all of them. But I want a girl here that day on a Sunday night, and she came and made public her salvation last Sunday night. And I'm fixing to perform a ceremony for a young man and a young lady in, in uh, uh, next month who I went out to the park out while with the pandemic was going on. I went out and tried to be creative, and I saw them out there praying, God, please, I can't go knock on doors. I want to win somebody. Bring them across my path. And I went out there, and, and her and her boyfriend were out there, and they were out there. She's got some little kids, and they were out there with the little kids letting them play on the play stuff out there, the gym, the, uh, gym sets and all that stuff. And I went out there and I began to talk to her. And about 45 minutes later, she bowed her head and asked Jesus to save her. And she came to church a after the pandemic. We went back in church and so forth and walked out and made public her salvation. She, her kids got saved in children's church and her and her kids all got baptized. I personally baptized her myself. And every Sunday she's there, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And the truth is, She's going to a discipleship program right now, being discipled. I don't know if she got saved or not, but it sure looks like it. You say, but what about the ones that didn't? They heard the same thing she did. I don't know. The truth is, we hang around the 25 waters, and that's all they want to talk about. Because they're not doing it. They want to criticize we who are trying to do it. Am I good at it? No. I want to be a whole lot better. But I tell you what, I know this. I hope I do more than sit around and criticize those who are doing it. And when I get in the book, I find out I'm supposed to do it. And when I come to Jesus, his heartbeat is trying to reach the lost. That's his heartbeat. Last thing he said, go tell them. How's that? Wednesday night, we have someone in preacher on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock before church, and we have Saturday too, but we have it Wednesday night, and our granddaughter, seven, or granddaughter seven, one of our granddaughters, she normally doesn't come with us on Wednesday nights, and she came with us on a Wednesday night, and we came in at six to go soul winning, and so the little one, the little, our grandson, he's four, we put him in the nursery, and she went with us, she's seven, and she goes, well, what do I do, and it, it was so cute, what do I do, and her grandma, her mama said, uh, you just listen and learn. Okay, I just listen and learn. Yes, you just listen and learn. Went out there, and I'm like, dear God, please. She needs to see somebody get saved. Please help her. God, give, me, give us somebody saved tonight, please. We're only going to be out there for about 30 to 45 minutes. Please, Father, would you give us somebody? Somebody's heart's ready to receive the word. Please, Father, please. I beg you, please. We went out. I went to one place, nobody home. Went to another place, and I pulled up. And started to get out, 
and they weren't, apparently they weren't home either. But across the street, a guy was shining up a car, and it was sharp looking. And I said, man, that's a nice car you got, Gary. I like that. And he goes, oh, it's not mine. It's my wife's. And she walked out the door. I said, well, I'll tell you what, it looks good. He said, well, thank you so much. And I walked over there. I didn't care so much about the cars. I did what I was going to tell him next. Did you get that? And I began to talk to him. And we talked for a while, and I said, now, let me invite you to church. And I gave him a track, and I said, you go to church anywhere? He said, well, we used, to, we, we used to go most of the time to, and he named the church. And I said, well, we'd love to have you come and visit. But more important than that is, if something were to happen to you today, God, God forbid it does, and you were to die, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven or would you have some doubt? he goes, go, well, I'd have a lot of doubt. I said, let me ask you something. If I could take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure, would you give me the privilege of doing that and just show you how you know for sure? And he said, sure. And we stood right there about 15, 20 minutes later. He bowed his head and asked Jesus to save him. Save him. And he said when he got on, he said, I'm going to heaven. I said, so if you die tomorrow, where are you going? He said, to heaven. Next week, he said, to heaven. I said, next year, to heaven. How about 10 years now? He said, to heaven. How about 100 years now? He said, to heaven. I said, what if you died, what if you died 30 minutes before I came? He said, oh, I'd have gone to hell. He said, preacher, I'm going to come. I'm going out of town for 40 days. When I get back 40 days, I'm coming to your church. I want to tell you something. You know what? That inspires me when I'm around people who want to win souls. When I get around somebody like Brother Frost or someone else like that, I, I want to do it. Why? Because it makes me sensitive. I don't want to be a person who lets people die and go to hell. I don't want to be a person that disobeys God's command. Whatever the command is. I just used to want to sow in him because that's easy to say. But what about lying? What about cheating? What about cheating on your income tax? Oops. I tell them what I make. I told them that last year and it cost me a lot of money. <laughs> year four lives. It would have cost me this year except they were forgiving some stuff and they forgave something and that saved me some money because of COVID. And I don't even make that much. It's just, hey, I tell them. I get a love offering, I tell them what I got in the love offering. I don't say, well, now let's see, if they gave me cash, or if they paid me, if they're not giving me a 1099, I'm not reporting it. I report it. I also take the mileage off and all that kind of stuff, too. <laughs> I take the deductions. But I know people that say, no, I don't do this, don't turn that in, don't do that, don't do that. You don't have to do that, don't do it, don't worry about it, let it go, let it go. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I could do that, but I think I'll just go ahead and pay, the penalty, pay, pay for it now so I don't have to pay the penalty later. Besides that, I know I'm right with God if I do what I'm supposed to do. Does that make sense? Because I want to be sensitive to my sin. I don't want to become hard and calloused. The Bible says they were deceived through the hardness of sin. Their heart got hard. So, the writer of 1 John said, I want you to have fellowship with God. And he said, you have to deal with your sin. Now, you can cover it, lie about it, 
Lie to yourself, lie to others, lie to God. Or you can confess it, truly confess it. But what I really want you to do is conquer it. I want you to walk in light as he's in light. And the way you get the way those lights that you need is Jesus because he's the light of the world, another Christian who's a light, and the word of God, which is a light. And when you put those in your life, you begin to become sensitive to what's going on around you. We don't really want revival. I was praying with Brother Williams, Dr. Williams. Oh, it's been a, month, a couple months ago. And he made this statement. He said, I don't think we really want revival, God. He said, God, I think we really don't want revival. Because we're afraid if God really sent revival, we'd have to give up too much to have it. We'd have to confess too many sins to have it. And it hit me. You're probably right. So there's too many pet sins we have. There's too many things we're not sensitive to anymore that we used to be sensitive to or maybe was never sensitive to. And if we had to give all them up, we'd say, I don't know if it's worth it. It's how badly do you want to be used of God? Do you really want revival? The songwriter said, do you really want revival? Do you really want God's power? Do you really want it? And honestly, most people They want a series of meetings so they can feel good about it. They want to say that was good, but they don't want their life changed. When we have true revival, there has to be changes. The things that are wrong have to be eliminated. The things that are right have to be implemented. And we don't really want that. And so you know what we do? We go week after week, month after month, year after year, and never experience real revival in our heart. And we're happy with it. We just become content. Well, it's really not going to happen anyway, so why worry about it? There's only one person can keep me from having revival. That's me. Nobody else can. Nobody. Not the government. Not some church. No one except me. It's whether I'm willing to become sensitive to my sin. Conquer it, beg God for his power, beg God for his presence, and implement it, what he said to do into my life, and remove what he says to remove. Now, here's my question as I close tonight. Do you really want revival? Do you want to conquer your sin, or do you want to keep your sin? Do you want to conquer your sin and be constantly cleansed, or do you want to just, well, you know, I... I can live with this. We will settle for mediocrity when we could have greatness. We settle for a life that has a trickle of joy every once in a while when our joy could be full. I want full joy. I want my heart to be different. I want it to be changed. What do you want? Because what you want probably will determine what you do. If you really want it, you'll pay the price. So, I come back to the question. Do you really want revival? Then come to Jesus. Get around the right crowd. Get in the book. And watch God change your life. Father, we're not worthy to even call on you. 
We're all just a bunch of sinners saved by grace. And I hope I haven't said something I shouldn't have said, but my heart is so stirred over us living in the world we're living in now and Christians being so apathetic about it. They, they don't care. They don't care, you know. Well, I, w- I used to serve, but this COVID thing's got me where I really just... And Lord, they quit serving because of COVID. They quit, they, qu- they quit witnessing because of COVID. Well, I don't want to offend somebody. and I, I don't want them to think I'm giving them COVID. And what we've done, we've used excuses not to do what God, you've told us to do. I dare say there's bus routes that's going to be started up soon that need drivers. But we won't get our license because, well, you know, I just, I'm not into that. And little boys and little girls could come to church. Teenagers could come to church. Adults could come to church and hear about Christ. Who'll never make it. Because we're not willing to pay the price. We could win people to you. Our neighbors, our friends. Folks out on the street. Folks at the, at the park. If we just witnessed. But we don't do it. Because we really don't want to have revival. We want to be satisfied. We sat at home during the COVID and we got satisfied with just watching it on the internet. And, I, and those that are watching that on the internet, Lord, I'm, I'm grateful they're watching. But you said to assemble yourselves together. If they're able, Lord, I pray they just start coming. If they get mad at me, don't get mad at the preacher. He didn't tell me to say that. Lord, don't let them get mad at him. Let them get mad at me. I'll be gone Wednesday anyway. And Father, I just pray that you'll bless this invitation time. Maybe there's somebody here who's just not even saved. They can't conquer their sin because their sins, they don't have the ability. They don't even have the Holy Spirit to help them. They don't, have, they don't understand the Word of God. They, they don't have, they, they're not hanging around the Christians because they're not even saved themselves. And they need you tonight. Would you bless this invitation time? Please, Father. I know a lot of people have prayed and they've begged you for revival in this church. I, I, I don't have revival in a bag that I bring and unload. I'm just a sinner saved by grace too. But Father, if you'd meet with us, we sure would appreciate it. And we'd sure great grateful for it. And we'd sure thank you and praise you. Now bless the invitation time. Those who are praying now, help them. Those who need to come, give them the courage to come. Those who want victory over their sin, give them the courage to come. And may your will be done during this invitation time. May we start the fire a little bit, burning of revival tonight in our hearts. Please help us become sensitive to our sin and conquer it. In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Would you stand to your feet? Heads bowed.